Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter, beginning with verse 13. This is the story of the baptism of Jesus. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John, John the Baptist, would baptize him. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you yet you come to me. Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came out of the water Heaven was open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'd like for you to think for just a moment about the initiations that you have experienced throughout your life. Throughout the history of the world, virtually every culture has different kinds of initiations or rites of passage, rituals marking a person's new identity as a member of a new family or group or religion. Tribes, clans, gangs, religions, families all have different ceremonies and rituals marking a new sense of inclusion and belonging. I wonder what initiations you've experienced. Some cultures have ceremonies, rituals that mark the transition from childhood to adulthood. I've been told that there is some terrible initiation ritual that sailors go through the first time they cross the equator. Maybe some of you know about that. Gangs have violent initiation rituals. Fraternities and sororities have initiation ceremonies. College freshmen become college students through orientation and convocation and then become graduates at a graduation ceremony. Many corporations have onboarding processes and orientations. Lawyers have to pass the bar to practice law. Pastors have to be uh, educated in seminary and, and tested for their capabilities as pastors and then ordained by a bishop. What are the ways you have been initiated? We too in the church have an initiation ritual. 
We call it the sacrament of baptism. Baptized. Baptism is how we become members of the church, participants in the body of Christ, and children of God. Through a ceremony involving water and prayer and vows and ordained pastor, that's how we become included in what's happening in the church. Well, today is the beginning of the season of Epiphany and the Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Today our focus is Jesus' baptism and what that means for our baptisms. Now the season of Epiphany immediately follows the season of Christmas. You may or may not have realized the 12 days of Christmas didn't end until last Friday. So if your Christmas tree is still up, it's okay. There's no shame in that. Even if there's more needles on the floor than there are the branches. Epiphany follows immediately, and it focuses largely on the life of Jesus. Epiphany means the revealing, the revelation, the the showing of something. Like we have epiphanies, these aha moments where the light goes on. But as we think about Jesus specifically in the season of Epiphany, we mean those key moments in his life where his Christ nature was revealed. Think of the three wise men coming to visit the newborn king of the Jews. Think about Jesus in the temple as a child. Think about his baptism or his transfiguration. Now, in the Jewish tradition, remember Jesus was born into the Jewish faith. Initiation is a rite that is performed on a young baby boy, as it was Jesus. On the eighth day, young Jewish males are circumcised. That's how they become part of the Jewish covenant. Later, as teens, there are bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs for young Jewish men and women, and they become officially part of the Jewish faith through their proclamation of their faith in the covenant. But it begins in circumcision, not baptism. And so in our story today, where Jesus goes to the Jordan to be baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, John did not perform an initiation ritual. His baptism was not an initiation. Rather, John's baptism was a return. You see, all those who went out to the Judean wilderness to be baptized by John in the Jordan were already Jewish. They were already part of the covenant. Really what they were doing was going to repent. Perhaps they hadn't been keeping the Jewish laws well, uh, specifically around issues of cleanliness, or maybe they hadn't been going regularly to the Jewish festivals in Jerusalem, or maybe they had simply broken a number of the commandments. So they went out to the wilderness They heard John preach. They repented of their sins. They got in the water, had their sins washed away, and they recommitted themselves to covenantal living, to obeying the commandments, to practicing the rituals, to being good Jews. Well, Jesus one day appears at the River Jordan. His ministry publicly had not yet started He was not famous. John the Baptist was, but people didn't know about this Jesus yet, but they soon would. 
But being his cousin and having clarity of his own call, John knew who Jesus was, and he knew what Jesus would do with his life and ministry. Jesus requested of John that he come into the water and be baptized, and John said, no, it's not right. In fact, if we're going to do a baptism, John said, you should baptize me, not me baptize you. The reason he objected was because of the meaning of his baptism. He knew Jesus didn't have sins to wash away. We say in Scripture, Jesus was tempted in every way, but was without sin. He knew that Jesus didn't need to return to the covenant. In fact, Jesus embodied the covenant. He came to fulfill the promises of the covenant. And so John said, no, no, I can't baptize you. You come down here and baptize me. But Jesus insisted. And he says this rather fairly strange phrase. He says, you must baptize me in order to fulfill all righteousness. In order to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness is one of those words we say a lot in church, and from my experience, no one knows what the heck it means. We're all comfortable with it, and we're comfortable in our ignorance. The Bible tells us that God is righteous. God alone is righteous, and yet over and over calls us to righteousness and righteous living. And so, if we say God is righteousness, righteous, if we say we're called to be righteous, we ought to know what it means. Perhaps the simplest way to understand the word righteousness is just get to its root. The root of righteousness is right, as in truthful, as in correct, as in moral or ethical. It means both character and deeds. And so we can trust in the righteousness of God, that God will always be right and do what is right. And we are called to do the same. And so for some reason, somehow, Jesus believed that his baptism was the right thing to do. It fulfilled all that is right, all righteousness. Now, what does that mean? I haven't got a clue. In fact, I remember my seminary professor saying when we got to this passage, nobody has a clue what Jesus meant. But it could mean something like this. We say theologically, biblically, that when Jesus died on the cross, though sinless, he was bearing the sins of the world. He was there representatively for all of us. I wonder if the same is true in his baptism. No, he did not need to re-enter the covenant. No, he did not need his sins washed away. But we did. We do. But let's take it even a step further. Upon being baptized, immediately he saw the Holy Spirit of God descend upon him. And then a voice spoke from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. Jesus not only participated in this ritual of John's about covenant renewal and the washing away of sins, he in that moment reoriented, reinterpreted, reinvented what baptism is. 
It includes an affirmation of God, this is my child. And it included for the first time the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we know later in John 3, Jesus would tell Nicodemus, anyone who would like to enter the kingdom of heaven must be born of water and spirit. That's a reference to his baptism, not just a washing, but a new birth in the spirit. This was, in a sense, Jesus's initiation into ministry. No one knew who he was before that. But now with the dwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he would be empowered to proclaim the kingdom and to give his life sacrificially. He reinterpreted what was spiritually possible. John provided a way to re-enter the covenant. Jesus presented an opportunity to be part of a new covenant, which included new birth and the gift of God's Spirit to all of us. Theologian and scholar Leonardo Boff, talking about this baptism, says, more than a cleansing from sin, baptism meant that this new messianic people is holy by the holiness of of the right of the Holy Spirit. That's the invitation and baptism is to become holy people by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I suspect most of us as Methodists here were baptized as infants. I think I've shared before, I was actually baptized in my teens. I was 17. It was right before my senior year of high school. I was attending a church camp up in the mountains of Tennessee. I made a decision to accept Jesus and to be baptized late on a Sunday night on July 22nd, 1984. Uh, it was an urgent matter, and so I went straight to a river up in the mountains uh, and was baptized under the moon and the stars, surrounded by lots of campers with flashlights. I was asked, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you accept him as your Lord and Savior? I said, I do, and I was dunked in that freezing cold water. It was a memorable moment, not just because the water was cold, but because I was making a commitment to Christ that I knew mattered and I knew would make a difference in all that was to come. That was a profound moment for me. Uh, but as a Methodist pastor, I've also come to appreciate the value of infant baptism, the meaning of infant baptism. My own two children were baptized as infants. I've baptized countless infants. And in the United Methodist Church, that is most common, though we are, of course, open to baptizing people of all ages. I do think that if you were baptized as an infant, it's unfortunate that you likely don't remember anything about that most important occasion. Oftentimes we as parents forget to tell our children. Sometimes I'll ask parents when they come to baptize their own children, what do you know about your baptism? And often they don't know much. I mean, we were babies after all, right? And yet this is a pivotal moment in the life of faith. The reason we baptize infants is we believe that it enacts a new, powerful spiritual reality. 
That in that moment, even for an infant, that we believe they are now God's child. They are part of God's family. They're a member of the church. They become part of the body of Christ. And most importantly, we believe that there is a grace at work in them that will be present and working the rest of their lives. And the Spirit now comes and lives in their hearts. We think that's important enough that we don't delay. We want a child to have that their entire life. Now, it should be noted, and I want to be very clear about this, baptism isn't magic. It's a commitment. A commitment from God, a commitment to the, of the church, a commitment of the family to raise this child, to discover the grace that's working in their lives and the spirit that lives within them. I suspect all of us can think of babies that were baptized that haven't darkened the door of the church in years. I suspect many of us can think of baptized folk who say they have lost their faith. We might even be able to think of some baptized folks who went on to live rather immoral, ungodly lives. It happens. Just because we're baptized doesn't mean that we'll continue on the faith journey. But that's unfortunate because their gift has been given that continues to live within us, even if untapped. And let's be honest. How many of us actually think of our baptisms very often? How many of us pause to reflect on the grace that continues to work in us because of our baptisms? How many of us are fully aware of the Holy Spirit that lives within Father Reniero Cantalamesa is a Franciscan priest who has served as the preacher to the papal household for the last three popes. Can you imagine being a preacher for the pope? It's not a bad job if you can get it. Hasn't been offered to me yet. Reniero refers to baptism for many as an unreleased sacrament. An unreleased sacrament. He says, for the majority of Christians, baptism is a sacrament that is still unreleased. That means that within us is still this latent power and potential and possibility because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that most of us just never tap into because we don't realize what's immediately available to us. And yet, it is available to us. I noticed at the earlier service this morning, a number of our members who uh, crossed themselves, as you might see in a Catholic church, that will make more sense to you in just a moment. Some of you perhaps came from a Catholic background or maybe a high church Episcopal background where you've noticed a priest sprinkling water on the crowd. They use a, a device called an aspergillium and they sprinkle the water on the crowd. Or maybe you've noticed as they come in, people stop and they tap their finger into the baptismal font or in little water receptacles by the doors, touching the water and then making the sign of the cross. You ever wondered, what are they doing? What is all of that? They're reaffirming their baptism. 
They're remembering their baptism, that little splash or sprinkle of water, that little touch of water on the forehead as a reminder, you are Christ's. The Spirit lives within you. Grace is at work in your life. Sometimes there's real value to being reminded who we are, whose we are, and who we're called to be. Or even within our own Methodist tradition, every time we baptize a child, we ask you, the congregation, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Have you heard that question? And what's the answer? We do. I will. Right? That's a, it's a moment to reaffirm what our baptisms mean. And there's value to that. Because our baptism is not the end of our spiritual journey. It's the beginning. It's not the high point of our spiritual life, whether it's as an infant or as an adult. It's merely part of how we begin and continue into a life in Christ. Friends, our journey lasts our entire lives. We never stop being works in progress. In the Methodist Church, we call it sanctification and going on to perfection. Most of us aren't perfect yet. You know that, right? There's never a moment. There's never a moment in any stage of our life that we don't need to lean into more the power of the Holy Spirit within us by virtue of our baptisms. Sarah Miles says, conversion isn't, after all, a moment. It's a process. And it keeps happening with cycles of acceptance and resistance, epiphany and doubt. And so just as we once a month gather here at the altar to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we eat bread and drink juice as symbols of His body and blood. Today we're going to take a moment and also remember to remember our baptisms, to remember what they mean, even if we don't remember, to reaffirm our commitment to Christ and the covenant that is now part of our lives. And maybe even to remember that there is a grace and a spirit available to us that we so often ignore. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.